If you still want the water in the I would say keep maybe Oh, I don't want to. I don't want. I don't want to put the water so close to the water. Or you can keep the glasses here, but like the the um, pitchers oh, like next to the seat. So he wants to put his glasses on. Well, so we're officially live now. Um, that means I'm also going to go and link it, and then. Sure. Cool. So, how's everyone doing? Cool. Um, let's say we're gonna. Technically, the show started two minutes ago, but Nick just ran out, so we're gonna give him. Oh, there he is. What's up, um, Nick? Let's do. Let's start the show in thirty. In 30, 30 seconds, not thirty minutes. Let me go tell you over. Okay. Cool. Do I need lipstick? This is a girl question. Uh, lipstick. Oh. <laughs> I would say maybe fix the right strand. Uh, the other side. The other right. Yeah. So it's not. So it's not on your face. Maybe. <laughs> and they're going to start a cocktail party at seven o'clock. Perfect. <laughs> we'll be done at seven, right? Yeah. Oh, this will be a shorter episode, and then we'll just go through. <laughs> we'll go through what? that, and then we can. Okay. Um, so we have. Uh, so, for those of you, this. So I'm just going to direct this to the people who are um, streaming and watching us. Um, let us know. If you need help, if you are finding a hard here, because right now we have a current setup where we don't have a mixer, so now we have to use like this microphone over here to capture the sound uh, that's being broadcasted. Um, and no, this is not at Chapman Team. This is at a uh, a different co-working space in um, I'm blanking on the district. Fi we're we're currently in the financial district. See, this is something you have to get used to as well, because instead of talking to an audience here, we also have the invisible audience that's watching us right now. <laughs> so, you know, something I learned from, um, during the pandemic, I started streaming. And one thing about streaming is, like, instead of you talking in front of a live audience and you have to engage with them, there are streamers, they're like, you know, they're invisible people that you'll never meet in their own computers. So you just have to trust that they're there and you just speak directly to the camera. <laughs> and that is a yeah, that's like a, that is a whole different experience, all in itself. Trusting that the audience yeah, is there. Exactly, because this is where the whole like so because I, I work in social media, right? And I was telling actually yesterday I was telling uh, Jacobo that like. The two biggest levers that we have with social media is reach and engagement. With reach, it's like how many people have seen whatever you created. But engagement is like how many people are talking about it. So that's like, and that's how you gauge like how well you're doing online. So, and then how this translates here is that like reach is how many people are currently watching us. And then you can say engagement is the activity happening in the chat, 
the reactions happening in the chat, um, the people reposting, resharing our stuff. This is like how you gauge like the um, overall impact that your um, piece of project is. I just, I didn't want you to go. I'm going to get you a little bit more. I appreciate that. Um, and Nick, I'm going to need you. I need your phone so that we can play that intro song. They're going to intro song. It's like very, it's just very high tech. Uh, it's 427. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm glad I'm not live. No, we are. <laughs> also, so Lisa, hi there. Oh, cool. Lisa. Lisa Dedrick. Hey, hey. Welcome, welcome. I haven't seen Lisa in ages. And then Deep asked if this is a chat routine. Oh, I, re I responded. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. Good, good, good. Excellent. Right on. So, As you can tell, we're very serious. Serious <laughs> joke. No, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's, shoot, shoot, shoot. let's do it. Live song. Let's do a song. We're going to, let's see. Let's give them just, I guess, take a few more here. No. I'm now not, not sure how many are going to come. Well, we'll see. People yeah. will either come or they won't. Yeah. It's that yeah. simple. I think they're slowly shuffling in. Well, it's fine. The in person setting is very nice. Thank you, Carter. Thank you. Thank you, Carter. It's still so good, isn't it? Okay. Um, yeah, let's. Let's start it. Okay. Yeah. Let's let's start it. Here, I'm gonna do one more. Oh, okay. You want to do one more lap? It's fine. We're gonna do one more lap. We'd like him to to be part of the ambassador. Oh, right, right, right. To do an ambassador. Right. I'm gonna hand him my mic. Uh, uh, uh. Guys, everyone in the main area, please. <laughs> yeah, they're finishing the recording screen, yeah, but we can start and uh, they will arrive. Perfect. And you're, I think, going to be speaking right at the beginning. Here's the And have, do you want him to speak at the beginning? Uh, yeah, be, can you be ready to, to do that? Yeah, sure. Okay. I can hand you a microphone. Because you're going to do the, we have to play the song, and then, so I can hold it, you can, you can do the intro on that. Because remember, like, while the song was on, you, after first you come, you go into your thing, right? Yes. So you, you should take that mic, do your thing, and I'll play the song. Sure. Okay. So that way you don't have to, like, talk into it. Yeah. Oh, it's me. How do I unmute this? All right, so, ready? Let's do it. All right, everybody, welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the 111th episode of Silicon Zombies. We connect live with brilliant innovators, thinkers, and entrepreneurs to demystify emerging technology and also provide access to our community and all these brilliant brains. So we are so thrilled to be coming live from 710 Sansom, uh, Innovate SF, so the Italian Culture and Innovation Hub. So uh, before we get into our sponsors, I want to do a quick shout out for Yokopo, please. Uh, Yokopo, you've got the floor. Share a little bit about what you and the team are building. Yeah. And then maybe come stand a little bit over here so everybody can see you. I, I'm yeah. okay. Perfect. There you go. Uh, first of all, uh, thanks guys uh, for being here. It's so amazing uh, to share you know, with your amazing guests uh, your experience. Uh, we are right now hosting as a Italian, as a Italian Innovation and Cultural Hub uh, 
it is a multi-year initiative of our government. Uh, it's an initiative of the Ministry of Foreign Affairs with uh, the embassy, uh, the Italian embassy at Washington. There's an important role of the consulate in San Francisco, obviously the Italian one. And then, you know, we are selecting the best Italian startups. And we started since November. We will do this for four years. And in total, we'll be selecting 550 startups. And there's so much work to do. And so, so many testimonials, so many know-how to share with them. By now, you, you can see in the other part of the area and in our amazing venue, we are hosting the second batch of startups, 30 companies in total. And next Thursday, we will share some testimonials, some pitches, their product, their services with you. Thanks to your amazing podcast. Then yeah, thanks to sure. be here. Thanks, guys. And enjoy the venue. Enjoy the where, session. Where can folks learn more about the events? Is there a yeah. website? Yeah, there's a website, innovitasf.com. Thanks, Nika. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, even if we select just the Italian companies uh, to bring, to, bring uh, to open, to expand their businesses also in the US, uh, our doors are always open to the American ecosystem and in general every innovation ecosystem that can help our businesses to grow also in another country. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Uh, yeah, the Italians, they know how to press and throw a good party, so definitely come check out in a bit. Um, so quick, uh, before we get into our guest for today, and what we'll cover, a uh, quick shout out to our sponsor, Mira Negocios. Excellent team for getting local customers. We'll put the, their website in, in our show notes and the Codex as well. So if you're looking to build a product, web or mobile, go to Codex.com. Wonderful team. Uh, it's helping a ton of our, uh, our community already. So let's uh, let's get into it. We we've uh, we've got Lainey Tenslow here, and we're super thrilled to have Lainey. Lainey is uh, is uh, the chair of the of the advisory board for the Global Chain of Commerce, which I believe has over five hundred chapters. Yeah. And um, and so the really cool thing we're going to be covering today is uh, what are the what are the things that startups need to know when they're coming to the U.S. So the name of the title is Coming to America. So great movie, yeah, come great movie, great movie, and then Lainey's an expert in that. So let's let's get that kicked off. Um, uh, Lainey, tell us a little bit more about yourself, so we can uh, so we can move into things. Well, let me tell you for a minute about the Global Chamber of Commerce, which is also one of our sponsors tonight. And the Global Chamber of Commerce is a membership organization committed to accelerating international trade and investment. And the goal is to have global chamber members in 525 metros around the world. So if you want to connect not only with this group, but with others in Italy, in Milan, and in Rome, there are global chamber people there. And if you want to connect here in the US or in Tokyo or Ethiopia, there are global chamber members there committed to making warm introductions their CEOs and leaders of companies who are committed to expanding global trade around the world, which is what this is all about, is to be here and introduce Italian companies to us and to learn some more about the U.S. so that we can increase trade between countries. And when I'm not doing global chamber things, which doesn't feel very often anymore, <laughs> Uh, that's how I met Nick and Peter, was an introduction from the Global Chamber. So I am grateful for that. 
And I work with American companies going to places like Italy or American or people coming who are curious about the U.S. Not the investment and how to find the money so much, but how to engage with the people. So that's my focus. Yeah. Or we're doing intro. Yeah. So for those who don't know who I am, my name is Peter Wang. I am a brand community manager at Intel. I help run their online community on TikTok, on Instagram, and aside from that, I love like doing marketing. Um, yeah, also, yeah, it is more fun. It's uh, high risk, high reward kind of thing. Uh, here's Dan. Yeah. Hey, gang. Um, my name is Dick Larson, Chief Revenue Officer at Unity Central, uh, helping you uh, make sense of the chaos of data the smart operating system of sorts. Well, let's, let's dive into Lainey's background because this is far more fascinating, I would say. Yeah. Um, so, we've got like intellectual property, we've got nuances for understanding your market. What are some of the biggest challenges do you think uh, founders who are had a little bit of success abroad and they're coming to the U.S. to to uh, continue to grow? What, what does that look like typically from your experience? Well, I have a follow up question that too. But I think one of the things is always understanding how big and complicated the U.S. is, just physically big. We were just Nick and I were talking to a founder. Uh, in Belgium, and they were trying to figure out where to hire, where to place their first hire. And the choices are kind of endless. You could be in Atlanta in the South or New York, where everybody's in a hurry all the time, or out here in Silicon Valley, which is a completely different ecosystem. So sometimes it's simply for people to get their head around how big the U.S. is, physically big. Put it into perspective. You could be driving for 10 hours and I felt like it was that this afternoon coming up here, and I just live in San Jose. And not to mention, there are micro cultures within California, the culture of here. Like, there's a culture in San Francisco, and then you have a culture outside of San Francisco, and then you have a culture outside of the Bay Area. So, going to Gilroy. Going, going to, I don't know any of the cities. I'm sorry. Los Angeles. Well, I've, I've lived in LA and I've lived in San Francisco and now I live in San Jose. And the joke when you live in LA is that you need a passport to come up to San Francisco. And if you live in the Bay Area, you don't talk about San Francisco, you talk about going to the city. It's yep. the city. It's, the, it's not San Fran. It's not, it's not Frisco. It's the city. It's SF. And if you're talking about Oakland, it's the town. Oakland's the town. Yeah, SF's the city. Oakland's the town. But seriously, it, it takes something to get your head around how big the country is and how diverse it is. That there are really cultural differences in every part of the country as well as every part of the state. So be prepared if you're thinking about having customers here that they'll be different in different parts of the country. So to, to kind of build on that, oh, I, I was, 
So, to go about that a little bit, Wayne, how important is it to create community? And then, what are some uh, what are some some ways that, that uh, people that kind of like hyper growth that community to sell their product or service? Well, before we answer, can we switch mics? Sure. I want my phone to be more Okay. Yeah. So the idea yeah. being, if we switch mics, you can hear me. Yes, is that that's probably good. Yeah. a good thing. <laughs> well, to grow your company, to build your company, I think you touched on it in the write-up, which is that you need to engage with people. You need to join organizations, whether it's online or in person. And I want to talk about a couple of things about engaging with Americans that nobody's going to talk about really, but it's useful to know because we Americans can make you feel like we're insulting you when we're trying to be friendly. <laughs> so I want to tell you a couple of common ways that Americans can give you a headache and we think we're being nice. So when I come and see Peter's laughing, but it's true. So what do we do when we meet people? So well, let's say when I come back, the 26th, is it? 29. 29th. Yeah. And I see you again, and I say, hi, how are you? Boy, have you learned a lot. This happened, right? You'll notice in the hi, how are you? I never gave you a chance to answer the question. Now, there are two ways that people generally react. They think, why are you asking me a personal question you don't know? <laughs> the other is, if you're going to ask me a question, give me a chance to answer Okay. So when somebody says to you, hi, how are you, and just keeps going, we think it's a long way to say hello. Hi, how are you is a phrase. If we don't make you crazy with that. <laughs> I do have something to say. This is and what you just described is a very like it is a common complaint that Americans have about Americans. If someone, if you're coming from New York, you will never say hi. hi. You'll you'll never be big friendly, which is something that the West Coast is doing. And that's our complaint about New York is that we like to we tend to mistake the East Coast's very direct, honest approach as being like aggressive, cold, cold, rude. Yeah, we think those people from New York, they're not very nice. They think we, California people, are kind of flaky, but we're not. We're not. Um, the other thing I want to talk about relates to when you are meeting people in a networking setting, or you go to a meeting, maybe where you're making a presentation, and it goes well. You know, you've been to those meetings that really go well. And at the end, someone says to you, let's get together. I'll give you a call. We really have to have lunch. And then you know what happens. You don't have lunch. <laughs> it's, it's silence. Yeah. We call it getting ghosted. 
Well, but wait, Peter, it's not entirely getting those. Sometimes it is, you're just being polite. But sometimes it's a way of saying, it was really interesting to talk to you, hear what you have to say, but no. No, really, he's saying no, but really. But Americans are very focused on schedules and times, and we'll talk about that in a minute. So sometimes it's a way of saying, but I don't want to be too pushy, and I know you're busy, and I'm busy, but I want you to know that if we had time, it would be great to get together. I think about it sometimes as a little pat on the back. And it also is permission, I think, for you to pick up the phone and call or send an email or a text and say, let's get together when we have time. So don't think that when there's no follow-up that you get intentionally ghosted. So you're saying there's still a chance. There's still a chance. <laughs> how, do we, how do we know? How do founders know when there's genuine interest? And then how can you be not too pushy, like take your phone out, your calendar, a lunch date right then, but also not let the opportunity fall Wait, you're not supposed to do that? I think it can work. But how do you navigate that? If I had a magic way to tell to do it, I would say Okay. But for me, I usually, um, after a while, you can tell. I can say, oh, do you want to set something now? And they'll say, oh, you know, I have to do something. Or why don't you text me some dates that you're available? And sometimes I just assume it's sincere. And the next day, I follow up. I like to believe that people who say, let's do lunch, actually mean, let's do lunch, just maybe not tomorrow. By the way, a fun fact, I don't know what the exact percentage is, but supposedly if you can get the prospect's text message and start texting them, there's like a 90% likelihood you will close the deal. So if you can't, and obviously there's different levels of like email or text or WhatsApp or carrier vision or whatever the case is, if you can get into the, the place where you're texting the other individual, you can grow the relationship faster and more deeply because of that. So for, you're saying like slide into people's DMs. Slide into, slide into the DM. Yeah, okay. um, one thing that I've actually witnessed, um, and this is just like me um, going to like China, for example, and seeing how expats kind of navigate that social world, is that um, they're being, they're noting that there is a cultural difference and they're being very vocal and communicative about the cultural difference. Like for example, if you are someone who wants to set the meeting like right now, you can always say, hey, uh, I'm used to, or in my culture, I'm used to like typically doing X, Y, and Z. Is it comfortable that I do, that I do this? You know, like yeah. come from, coming from the lens of like, I'm in a new area definitely, and I want to fit in, but I also like, this is what I'm used to. Yeah. Um, you know, for open dialogue is never a bad thing, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right, because people, that is a sign of respect that you want to fit and i've made some mistakes where i thought i was fitting in and got corrected but the intro was to a group lady uh won't mind that i tell her she told tell her in front of you that she did that wrong because i know that she wants to do it the right way it's a not a great moment but it at least gives you credit for having the right intention 
you, is, are there any are there any stories specific that you can share, uh, like learnings or? I think about um, well. I, I think about one workshop I did where I was talking about the different ways that people communicate. You know, we Americans have a reputation for being very direct and in a hurry, and keep it short and keep it to the point. And I was talking about that in other parts of the world, communicating is about building a relationship as well as about getting some business done. And this woman in the workshop said, oh my God, that's why they send those weird emails. <laughs> and she was talking about a country I won't name, in Latin America. And she said part of the team was there and that they always and she'd been on vacation, you know, with her kids, and playing soccer, or your kids. And she said, oh, they always answer my business questions, but first they want to have a conversation. So it's a little tricky because even some Americans want to have a conversation first, but mostly it's get to the point, tell me what I need to know, and let's move on. I think that's true. So thank you for sharing that. That's the uh, key to so, um, Yeah, so let's see. What about, um, just lost. Okay, I want to something that we talked about earlier today was that Americans try to be polite and friendly in a business situation. So I want to do a little translation of something you might hear. When you're doing a pitch to an American group, you might hear them say, fantastic, that's great, I think it's such an interesting idea that you have. Sometimes that's exactly what they mean. But sometimes it means, oh, that was interesting, thank you for telling us. So you can tell when they really mean it, when they start to ask you some serious questions. Am I right? Yes, I see a couple of nods. You know, we like you to feel good, and we are interested and excited about what you're doing, but know that the follow-on will tell you how serious people are. And I remember what I was gonna mention a moment ago, and this is kind of more around outbound campaigns. Obviously, if you're selling a product or a service, we wanna scale, and LinkedIn or Facebook is a great way to do that. Um, so it's an interesting idea to A-B test your very first message because to, to Lane's point, sure, sure. So A-B testing meaning you try two different uh, strategies and you measure the data and you see which one works better and you go with that. Um, so to Lane's point, rather than going straight into, oh, I built the medicine, I'm looking for that, make it more about your target market. You know, um, it looks like you know, X, Y, Z, and have it be specific or be focused on exactly what they're doing, uh, it, it shows that you're you're taking into consideration to them. Well, I think that's particularly important in the U.S. because we are a very individualistic country. We each think we are special and individuals, and we want to know that your product is just special for us. Really, it's very important. Well, 
And I think Starbucks, no matter what you think about the coffee, is a great example of a company that was early in recognizing that. They were the first ones where you could go in and order your coffee your way, call, and they would call your name. You know, it was all about the customer. There are 87,000 ways you can have a cup of coffee at Starbucks. That's scary. But it is important to focus on the individual customer. And there was something else I was going to add, and I've lost it. Is it? Peter, did you want to take a couple questions from the? I would actually sell that. We can actually start with questions from the chat and then open it up to the. There's a lot of action on the chat. I feel yeah, exactly. I feel like people here have a lot of questions as well. So let's start with. So Lisa asked two questions. Lainey, do you think global founders struggle with the demands of the American consumer market? Do you think global founders struggle with the demands of the American consumer market? Let's say, for example, do they um, are they able to participate? What Americans want? I think it's a challenge for everybody, Americans and people from any place in the world, is to sort out the customers and really feel like they can answer the customer that they're trying to reach. It's not easy. And I guess question for both of you is. How do you, if you come, if you're coming in, um, and you're new to America, you're new to the American culture, and you have to navigate the business world on top of also finding out what are the, like what does demand look like in America? How would you go about doing that? You need to find some good guides. You need an organization like this and support you and is familiar with the market. You need a resource like that. You need a good attorney, a business attorney who can help you make some deals and navigate the legal issues. You need a great CPA. I want to really stress that. Yeah. Good attorneys. And when is the right time to get an attorney? When's the right time to get an attorney? I think when you're really serious about bringing a product into a, a country, that you should also at that point be talking to a business attorney and an association like we're in today can help you find the right person because there are so many rules and regulations everywhere about every kind of product. You want to know before you go too far down the path what kinds of barriers there are, what you have to meet before you get too far ahead of yourself. And the second question, between finding your customers and hiring the right people globally, this is a constant of, uh, that was a point, never mind. Do we have any questions from the audience? Yeah, so I, I do have a question um, with regards to, if I'm now a global founder that's looking at coming into the market, where do I start with these 50 different states, there's all these different cultural differences in each single state. What's the best way to navigate A, my product is put in the market and how to start having that conversation? That's a good one. I can answer it. Yeah. Start. Here, you want to take yeah. the first step. So, I, uh, I have worked in the startup space here for about like 12 years and I know 
that at least for the Bay Area, this community is pretty good for like wanting to be early adopters. If you want to look for early adopters, like starting in the Bay Area is a like that's one of the benefits of living in the Bay Area is that you you get to have access to people who are willing to try out new tech. And especially if you're in that like like MVP round, and you want to uh, to you know fix all your kicks before um, your real go to market strategy. This like getting the like the right type of data here is uh, priceless. Yeah, yeah. And that's where an organization like this can help you too. If you target that you want to be in this market, Innovit has a broad network that they too can help you sort out people who can advise you, who can be advisors, who can tell you who the competitors are that are here, which will be useful to you to know. And also can help you figure out who the right groups to get connected with, conferences to go to, groups to meet with, so you can gather some intelligence before you do anything more than make a few trips here and see what else is happening in the market. That's great advice. I, I think it also matters who your target market is, because theoretically you can reverse engineer it. Um, if it's a super innovative product, to Peter's point, maybe it makes sense to go somewhere where they could be open-minded to it. If it's more of a, a like a mass market adoption play, you know, maybe you've got some strategic relationships with existing channels. Um, grow quickly. I mean, it's all about the lowest hanging fruit. What do you think? What are your, your thoughts? I think that there are a number of ways to do it, but I think one thing is to find the people who already know wherever you're planning to market and do some serious research, and nothing replaces being on the ground. Going and seeing people there, talking to people, seeing what, what the products are being used, and getting to know really that place. Don't just take a and decide that's your headquarters. I wouldn't mind that, but... <laughs> um, we have a question here. Uh, Rohit asked, are there any major drawbacks in doing it in the Bay Area? And do you think anything will come up to replace it in the future? Um, I guess... Any major drawback starting out I think there's certain um, like industries that just doesn't do well here. Um, for example, energy uh, is one that I'm thinking of. I, although I could be wrong, I have, I have no idea. Um, I would say in terms of like entertainment, it might be better to be in LA versus the Bay Area. Um, maybe I also know that if you're pretty creating like a video game. Better to be either in Seattle or in LA instead of the Bay Area. Um, Peter, I think you're right. And there are hubs of innovation all around the country. Boston's doing is known for some of their medical work. LA has Silicon Beach, yeah. entertainment and related things. There's some things around animals going on in Kansas City. There's a big tech presence in Atlanta, Georgia. Oh, yeah, that's what tech so, is. Yeah, so I think you really need to think about the Bay Area as an interesting place, 
but think first about the product or service you're offering and see where the best place to be. And in most places, there's an American, French, American, Belgium Chamber of Commerce, and then there's the Global Chamber of Commerce. They can introduce you to people in most of the major metropolitan areas of the world who will answer your questions and share information with you because that's what Global Chamber of people are there to do. One of the aspects I think that when we went to the company companies coming over um, that we benefited a lot from was understanding where the main conference conferences were held in our industry and how to utilize that to network to understand the market. That's it. And, and I know conferences are coming back. How important is that as part of the strategy? I think going to conferences is an important part of the strategy. They may not be held, in, even if you're thinking about your customers being in the US, the conference might be held in uh, Iceland or in Milan. Going to the conference that uh, reaches the industry that you're part of is a great way to build a network, a network that is going to be global and really have some advice that you can't get. Other way, and I'm glad we're going back to in-person conferences because that's where you have those casual conversations that tell you so much. Yeah, you know, one of the drawbacks to, to Roby's question, I think it'd be, it's it's almost like uh, like there's just there's a lot of there's a lot of signal, so being able to rise above the noise. If you're in a smaller market and you can be the bigger fish, I think that might be helpful, kind of like for that initial traction and momentum. Lady, can you share with us some of the wins that the Global Chamber has had in, in being able to make introductions? I think uh, Richard Branson was one of the connections, if I'm not mistaken. I think so. I think that's a story before my time. But I know that um, I've made connections in Africa and a great connection in Tokyo, and I've seen people in New York make great connections. And one thing that's interesting is that everybody is committed to engaging and the CEO and the head of uh, member services go through the meeting, see who's there and make lists of people to connect with. So I've been connected to people that I would never have known otherwise. Well, one other thing that's kind of interesting is, uh, and I've shared this before, about eight years ago, I started a list. This is a list that I've got, and it's uh, when you meet decision makers or folks that are influencers, and they have high integrity because your relationship with other folks, if you meet value and you act with integrity, you're, you'll be unstoppable. The other thing is there's this concept of Dunbar's number where we can really have to remember about 100 people. So if we use this, this list, we can with value, we've got their LinkedIn right there, another column of keywords, you can reach out and be consistent, you got like, the recency principle, that can be super valuable as well. Mentioning Dunbar's number makes me think of another aspect of Americans. So one thing about Dunbar's number is it talks about you have a small circle of friends, and that's very true for Americans. We have a small circle of close friends, the ones we call when things go well, the ones we call when things don't 
don't go so well. But we have lots of what other people would call acquaintances, casual friends that we work with, that we might gym with, and we sometimes don't see them for months or years at a time. And we still talk about my friend who's this and my friend Peter and my friend Nick. And I might not see them for several months or talk to them. So don't be surprised sometimes when Americans sort of come and go, it's not all ghosting you. <laughs> it's that they're busy and have lots of different circles of friends. And that is one thing to remember. What's the best way for a, a foreign founder that is coming to the U.S. to, to brag about this? Or maybe not brag, but pick. Oh, well, we'd like people to tell us their stories, and we are very big on marketing, and we are very big on telling you how wonderful we are. I'm special <laughs> and unique. We know that. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that you have to be out there and use the technology, use the network, be active on LinkedIn. Peter can tell you more about the best ways to reach people than I have. But bragging and talking, I think bragging's a hard word, but being clear about what's special about what you do is really the important thing. I think talking about how like, awesome you are face-to-face -face is considered rude, but doing it on social media is totally In fact, it's encouraging. <laughs> and also like third-party validation can be helpful too so if you have part of your community that can say like, oh i had a great experience with this individual and they solved this problem it has more credibility obviously okay after i told you all these things about how americans are hard to like i want to point out a couple of things that sometimes make us a little more likable first of all we're going to approach you as if we're going to like you we come to a new relationship with the idea that we're going to like you, we're going to be interested in working with you, and that we want to hear what you have to say. And the other part is we have this attitude that we are impressed by people who are trying to do things. And, and that you hear the expression, fail fast, fail forward. So you can translate the word fail to be first, attempt and learning. It's about learning. And when something doesn't go right, we're much more interested in what did you learn and how are you going to do it the next time. And I think that's one of the attractive things about the American approach to innovation and connections is let's try it, let's see what happens. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I would, I think America, one thing that's very uniquely American is like the acceptance of growth. And I think different parts of America are more accepting to that concept than not. I think San Francisco or the Bay Area is like a pillar in terms of like how many of, of I don't want to say it's a pillar of failure. That's like, but we're like, <laughs> but yeah, we are definitely a lot more accepting of um, people's failures. In fact, we celebrate it a lot more here than let's say somewhere like. In New York, right away. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's all context, right? So, like, what was the beginning of San Francisco? It was the gold rush. People from all all over the world came here to, to hit it rich, like the rich. Now, ironically, the, the folks that were were more 
by and large more successful with like the infrastructure, right? It's like the blue jeans and the you know the cherry pies and the, the pickaxes. In fact, the pickaxes and shovels is a reference to that time. So that's one of the reasons NVIDIA has a trillion dollar valuation because they're creating these chips. So like all of these, uh, <laughs> and of course the Intel guys, that's his name, that's right. Yeah, okay, I hope so. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, so like if, if we think about how to, how to approach somebody that could be valuable to your startup, you know, like this is all about trying something new and not being afraid of if you're gonna screw it up. And so if you, if you approach it with that kind of positivity, I think, I think you'll have a lot more success. Well, I just think so. So, but just to clarify, we're not we're not saying like be someone you're not. That's, we're just saying you know just be vulnerability. Take, take more risks. Yeah. But like, yeah. Don't say you like graduated from Harvard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> be proud of what you're doing and be excited. I'm excited to come back and hear about all that you're doing. The 29th. 29th. I have a hard time with that. But it'll be a great time to celebrate. So, so yeah. Do we have any other questions in the audience? Yes, right here. Go ahead. No? Okay. Great. Well, oh, yes. Go ahead. Um, this is more in relation to marketing, just because we're not digital marketing. Um, with visibility, I think especially in America, digital marketing thing is a different element um, here. So I would say see, there are um, as a global founder having to adjust that strategy here. What obstacles or challenges have you found? Well, part of it is language and what what words mean what and what phrases and what works. And, you know, there are horror stories about using the wrong words, using the wrong emojis, using the wrong colors. So you really need an expert to work with you to be sure that what you're putting out there is appropriate for wherever you are. Segmentation also, I think, is really important. Christian, who is, I think, like 15 or 20 episodes ago, had a great talk about um, specific campaigns. So if you have one just for like the Bay Area versus abroad, keeping those two separate, making sure that we're capturing all those data points so we can make appropriate decisions. The delineation between those, I think, is, is pretty helpful, too. Um, if you want to look at an example of a cultural faux pas, um, look up Volkswagen employees in Instagram. <laughs> Just the name. Okay. In the new one, Chevy Nova. Yes, that's the original one. Yeah. Cool. All right. All right. Well, if, if there's. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for going. Yeah. And then we'll also be back on the 29th to interview all sorts of amazing Italian founders. So thanks so much to our sponsors, and uh, check us out at SiliconTimeNews.com. Take care of yourself, take care of yourself. Thank you. Thank you.